0: Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today's Friday, June 30th, 2023, just a few days away from 4th of July. We're really happy about uh, taking a break uh, this weekend. Um, we're not going to talk about Vision Pro. <laughs> so I know <laughs> like my fellow journalists are, are That's are what smiling. you think. <laughs> yeah, little, somehow Stuart will we'll bring it up. But on today's pod, uh, podcast, I have my usual crew, John Quain, who writes for The New York Times, Smart Cities, and Times Guide, Stuart Walpin, who scribes for Popular Mechanics, AARP, Techalicious, Investopedia, and other wonderful publications that Rob Pedrero who is a big fan of bring your dog to the uh, major league baseball game. I just, I think that on the side, just to squeeze that in, who writes about tech developments at PC mag, fast company and other publications guys. Are you ready for the holiday weekend?
0: Yeah, yes. to be honest, not. It's the last day of the month. I've got a bunch of deadlines,
2: <laughs> right?
1: I'm, right. With, I'm with Rob.
2: Yeah. Lots of deadlines here too.
1: Oh, well, I'm sure you'll, you'll be attending to those deadlines right after the uh, article uh, right after the podcast i gotta say it's not a topic but i gotta get your initial reaction because john you put a bug in my mind uh, which is probably going to be it's not going to be the thriller in manila but if this 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 cage match thing really happens is it really going to happen or just i saw a story the other day that italy reached out to uh to um to zuckerberg and said hey will we'll allow you to use the wrong policy I am so trip. happy
0: i have not written a single word about this stupid oh, no, John, story.
1: I, know, I know John it's the dumbest it, time guilty right. so,
2: right. I brought it up i was the one who made the joke about Thanks, it. Yeah, it was on, on new york radio here on on all the radio stations i mean rock and roll radio stations everybody they <laughs> loved this idea because they love the idea of the two of them punching each other, and they just are really <laughs> super keen on it. And so even though it has no likelihood of ever happening, if you've met these guys, it's not going to happen. But um, it's just hilarious. It's just very funny.
1: You know, if it was one of those things where they, you know, because that would be the pay-per, pay-per-view event of the century. I mean, I can see this. You know what? We're going we're gonna to donate 90% of the proceeds to charity. You know, oh. okay, that might be interesting. Of course, they wouldn't do that, either of them. But right, Stuart, they pocket the money, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Stu, are uh, you think it's going to happen, or are you uh, betting against the, the thought that this is
3: even a thing offends every civilized sensibility in my bones. I am a big fan of Isaac Asimov's uh, aphorism that the violence is the last recourse of an incompetent. And this whole bread and circuses that surrounds this is just just offends my genteel indoor cat nerd sensibilities.
1: Well, and Rob, just before we hit the topics I here, I would like to be excluded from know, the conversation. I think we should, we should call Cheryl and see if Aoife will allow you and John to have a cage match. In Aoife. <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> be, it'll it'll AI,
2: good or bad? Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Um. (laughs) Well, who says the tech industry is not entertaining? Right, exactly. Are you not entertained? Yeah. (laughs) I'm always entertained. So here's more (laughs) entertainment coming. So uh, this is your topic, uh, uh, Rob. Apparently, not apparently, I read your column uh, about uh, Airbnb and their efforts to, I love this, to convince more users to become Mm -hmm. hosts. Apparently, you've had some discussions. Then let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, so I was in Toronto this week, very happy, by the way, to travel to and from Canada without actually getting stuck overnight any airports in either country. Uh, and Airbnb, they had two of their trust and safety executives do a panel Tuesday, or sorry, Wednesday. And then I sat down with the, their actual head of trust and safety, uh, Navib Energy. And they, were, they opened this panel in a very straightforward way. Show of hands, how many of you have stayed at an Airbnb? That's pretty much everyone. How many of you have? Would be comfortable hosting somebody in your own house an airbnb guest and it was as if she had asked how many of you have stayed at an airbnb in um the democratic republic of congo very <laughs> few hands and she was like you know yes we're trying to work on this and it i see this is sort of how they've been trying to do a rework of, of a lot of the platform over this year they finally got religion that people don't actually like being surprised by a ton of add-on fees for cleaning and housekeeping and whatnot on the last screen of the booking process uh they've been redesigning a lot of stuff they, they relaunched the rooms product which was the original idea you are staying in someone else's house not some random apartment some would-be real estate magnet has rented in a house in a city uh and so part of this is they're they say they're trying to address you know long-standing issues with a combination of machine learning, apparently this is looking at things in reviews. Are there patterns emerging that they might want to tip off the host to, or is it a pattern of misconduct by a host that might be caused to remove that person from the platform? And you know, also addressing things. It's interesting. Some of these areas, it seems like they've made real progress, and others not. You know, both during the panel and doing our interview, Banerjee said, you know, we're we're looking out for account takeovers. There was a famous case in Philadelphia. Uh, just at the end of last year where someone found an inactive Airbnb account compromised it somehow and then used that to relist the house that had been listed there for as a as a possible place to stay in Philly. The house had since then been been sold to somebody who had no idea any of this had gone on and told his Marina family she finds them on her, on her front stoop Christmas night asking what's going on. And it finally got cleared up as it happens in a lot of these cases things didn't really get cleared up until in this case the, the local newspaper the philadelphia inquirer made some inquiries so airbnb has realized that this is a problem but if you've looked at airbnb this is one of a, a real throwback of a platform in terms of account security they don't really do two-step ver- verification at all they, they will text you or say can we can we call your phone with a code to confirm a login but you can't specify an app based form of uh, two factor authentication like Google Authenticator or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You can't even log in with a passkey, which lots of sites are now doing. I mean, Kayak and Best Buy support passkey authentication. And right. as I wrote in this piece for Fast Company, it is a weird look given Airbnb is so detail obsessed. They ordered up their own font. Mm-hmm. It's called serial, by the way, if you need a little trivia contest, uh, the trivia yeah. there. So I see a mixture of them trying to do things better and other areas where they're screwing up. And of course, time like this would go this way after I'd filed this thing and it was on its way to editing. I, I then saw this horrible story where a group of five senior citizens got kicked out of an Airbnb where they were staying for a friend's funeral because the owner had seen too many people coming and going by the exterior camera, not actually staying there, and again, it was a case where initially the platform was not responsive until this went viral on Twitter. And then, boom, you know, sunlight is often a great way to get companies to do the right thing, which it seems that they finally did in this case.
1: But interesting. Uh, interesting. Stuart, what's your reaction to that? Are you an Airbnb guy? Do you like to say um, I don't
3: is? even like staying for free at friends or family's houses. Give <laughs> me a sterile hotel room every time, run yeah. by professionals. Um, that's for me. My sister was an Airbnb person. I, I, I read the piece. Great reporting, Rob. I, I, I'm just stunned not being an Airbnb person that they didn't kind of do the kind of IDs like uploading your driver's license so people can double check who you are until now. And It's like. I would never been an
0: option for the longest time. But yeah, finally, as of June. How
3: could that not be mandatory from the very start? And some of some of the things that they are now surprised that they have to do surprised me they weren't doing from the very beginning. Again, not being an Airbnb person. None of the first thing I would want to do is I want to know who's staying in my house, and please send me your picture so I can do a background check on you before I let you in my door. How is that not the first thing that anybody would think of?
1: Pretty common right. sense, so, uh, John. Yeah. What do you?
2: John, yeah, this, this is on. one of those. Uh, the, the idea when this idea first came up, it was sort of you know when they first launched, was what could possibly go wrong with this, right? And we've had everything <laughs> from you know homicides to you know parties and drug dealing and just like everything you can imagine but it's it's actually i think it's also more destructive than disruptive if you look what it's done to the rental markets in many cities across the united states you can't rent an apartment anymore because everybody's airbnbing them you can't in like these towns in wyoming and tourist places where wealthy people have their homes to go well gee why don't i just airbnb it well now there's no rental property there for people to live in And I'm with Stuart, you know, we've traveled around the world. And I can't tell you how many times in some other country in some other city, I'm walking people back to their Airbnb, because it's too sketchy to go by on their own. And then I walk back to my hotel room. I mean, so it's really, this is something that, you know, trust, who would I trust? I've never been there before. How are you going to ever establish that? It's really, it, it, it seems pretty flaky. But Obviously, lots of people love it and are using it. So, as long as consumers are using it, it's going to keep going and and thriving. But definitely being destructive in some areas. Yeah.
1: Now, I want to we got to move to the next topic. But I have a few friends out here in Silicon Valley that have very nice homes that they have uh, separate entrances that they've used as Airbnbs, and, and I think. Their experiences have been relatively good, although the common feedback I get from people uh, is that when you do the Airbnb thing, especially in the, in the Bay Area, where uh, a hotel room in this area could be easily four or five hundred dollars a night, you know, even out in San Jose at, at a decent hotel, depending right. on when you rent it, is the hidden fees. You know that all of a sudden, oh, guess what? You know that's seventy-five dollars to clean the place. Oh, you want internet? That's fifteen dollars, and so by the time you roll those numbers up, you know oh, I should have stayed at the Marriott. So right. Yeah, right so it's uh a bit um it's, it's obviously um you know a bit crazy and um i don't know what, what but it's a fascinating topic how they're recognizing that they have to do something to get people's confidence back into becoming more uh to, you well, know, that's it took
0: them so long to figure it out yeah really i'm a regular airbnb user myself i showed Banerjee my my trip history she was like oh that's impressive i'm like well you know, how do you think I can make Mobile World Congress work for me economically by staying in Airbnbs, which in general have been rooms in people's apartments? Right. So at least I know I'm helping them stay in their apartments
1: and not contributing to,
0: you know, whatever housing issues the market has there.
1: So, John, this is your topic. I'm so glad that you kind of fired this one right. up. Um, the, uh, you know, I am so concerned what's going to happen over the next six months, you know, and, you know, there are applications out there that are supposedly really good at detecting, you know, um, AI, um, de- develop content. And, you know, the topic that you've brought up here is that apparently they're not so good. And that just scares me for a whole bunch of different reasons. And as I, you know, um, mentioned before in previous podcasts, um, the, 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 the orientation with most companies out here is still this gold rush mentality. And, you know, let, it's not so much, it's, Part of it's a privacy issue, but this the whole notion of, hey, we have to, we should do everything we can to disclose that you might be viewing content, especially video or images, right. that maybe, maybe have been manipulated in some way. It just goes over people's heads, and and they really don't care because they see a gold mine. So, John, I'll turn it over to you.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the first thing to mention always is
1: that AI is it sucks, right?
2: It's not really very good at all. Every time anything I've done on any of the platforms, they're so riddled with mistakes and errors and factual errors. But the threat is in the future, at some point in the future, we'll actually get to be a good, you know, workable thing. That's the whole premise of all this. And the same with images. So um, what recently came up with, you know, there are some companies like Hive and, and Holo and, uh sin uh sin city that are trying to detect ai produced images for example is a typical thing so i get this image in a stock photo uh is it real shot of vancouver or not has it been played with or not you know um did desantis's team monkey up the image which they did you know <laughs> is that an issue anyway these companies promised to detect that so the new york times did a a survey they they actually had some manipulated images they had actual artists do some of them too. work with the programs and the results were not so great so uh you know in some cases it did detect most of the programs detected that it, it was ai but in some cases they falsely detected that it was ai when it wasn't you know so and there are reasons for that one is um which is always comes up in ai which is it has no sense of context right it, it isn't a conscious being so it doesn't know about things in the world that are normal things that you, humans walk around with so they had a picture of elon musk my favorite person kissing a robot right and some of the programs thought that's fine not ai when obviously any of us looking at it would go ah, no you know not real and you wouldn't rule them out doing that though actually
1: <laughs> right well that may be after the cage match we will do that <laughs> <laughs> um, but, 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 <laughs> Yeah, so I want to pull Rob into this. The, the, yeah. the thing that concerns me about all of this is that not so much that people um, won't trust. Uh, I mean, they were already distrustful about a lot of different things. We already right. know that. But that when something legitimate happens, where the government comes along and says, you know what, we've detected a virus that has a lethality rate of <coughs> you know, contagion like the, the movie Contagion, where it's 80%. If you get it, you die. You know what? We're not going to believe that. We don't believe those images of of bodies thrown on the streets. So it's, it, it, you know, it cuts both ways. So Rob, your, your take.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've already seen that. People will believe all kinds of nonsense if it fits their priors and that they're already disposed to dislike whoever is being attacked through this. Uh, The example I'm thinking of was I think three, four weeks ago, there was some fake image claiming some explosion at the Pentagon. And the, the thing illustrating it, anything anyone can tell you about the Pentagon, if they've seen it once is it has a flat roof. It's a five shaped building, flat roof, all you, all you really need to know, and the, the stupid fake Pentagon had this sort of, you know, weird history on one part of it. So anyone with even like the faintest acquaintance with the architecture of Washington, DC would have been like, that's nonsense but people were picking up on it in part because it was being spread by some idiot who'd paid their $8 a month for a blue check mark on their account, uh, which is, you know, one reason why you have to be increasingly skeptical on Twitter of accounts you've never heard from, and you cannot put any weight into seeing the fact they have that little, you know, outline check mark next to their name.
1: So so Stuart, do you really believe that something bad is really going to have to happen before, we either Washington takes us seriously and God knows when they have, when they do things very quickly, bad things generally happen. Um I, I, but- think
3: it, I think it's worse than that. I don't think it will be one bad thing. I will have, I believe it'll have to be a cascade of bad things. And the reason I think this is that the, the largest disseminators of AI images is going to be social media and doing something about, AI images on social media runs completely counter to the business model of social media. These companies, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of these companies would have to spend money to either develop or buy technology to detect AI photos, but AI photos would increase engagement So why would they spend the money? So there is nothing in the business model of a social media company that would even tempt them to want to stem the tide on these. So unless the government comes down and orders them to do so, a lot of companies are volunteering, Adobe, Microsoft, all of these companies are trying to create technologies to watermark images, to detect images. But all of these efforts are useless unless the social media companies either decide that it's in their economic advantage to adopt them. And right now, with the with the way these platforms operate, it is not in their interest to do so. So unless the government comes in with hobnail boots and a, and a billy club and says, do something, there is no reason for any social media company to do anything except... Um, just the mere amount of facade paper, paper covering to do anything about the dissemination of AI generated photos.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with the analysis all, that all three of you have kind of uh, yeah. mentioned here. I, right. I'm just, I'm just frightened that something big is going to happen. And well, uh, what I mean by big, that some type of fake image or fake video will cause someone to die. I'm not talking about so much, a political um, thats well we know the political crap is going to happen but i'm just afraid that someone's going to put something out there that was clearly manipulated and that had a definite cause and effect to someone's life or to a number of people dying or getting injured in some way or attacked but yeah
2: but i think that's all i mean that's already happened we've had that happen the the pizza store and the the groups of people that were encouraged to meet up and you know fight each other in public speaking of which and scream and yell at each other, which there was no demonstration. It was just completely made made up, but also it's trickier. So Stuart just mentioned Adobe. Well, they have something called generative fill. I don't know if you've used this, but yes, yes. if you're making a photograph that completely fools all the AI detection programs. So they already have like one little product there. And the other thing that you're referring to, Mark, is already a term in some of the philosophical discussion and, and they call it the liar's dividend. And the liar's dividend is, well, with all this fake images out there and this fake video, we can't trust these facts that these scientists say are real and these things are actually happening. You can't trust that because it could be faked. You don't know. And that's sort of the liar's dividend. Now they get off the hook and now you go back to being able to say and put anything you want online. And like you pointed out, people aren't going to trust it. And that could be just as dangerous.
1: Well, we're going to talk more about this topic, but I, I think all of you know that Google's, um, they haven't released it yet, but they announced a, uh, a, a, a it was a, a um, photography app um, that will be available later in the year that essentially does exactly what you described, John. You could have me cut off the screen and uh, holding balloons, that was actually the image they showed, uh, Sundar showed it, oh, and nice. basically you can move the image in the center of the screen and it will fill in the rest of the image. Okay. And what, and I'll just say, let's leave this because this is such a fascinating topic to talk about. What's really scary to me about this is the ease of use. Right. Is that the bar has been so low. I mean, for example, you know, Seward's nodding his head, but for years, for 50, as as long as the camera has been around a hundred years, there were ways to manipulate images, you know, cropping things out, cropping things Mm -hmm. in is. Up until about 25 years ago, 20 years ago, you had to have a photographic background. You had to, you know, it was a fairly narrow group of people who could do it. Now anybody could do this stuff. One other other point I think that it just
3: popped into my head in terms of a control group, it may not be the government. There are only two companies that really control what goes out into the world to a certain extent, and that's Google and Apple. If Google and Apple, made Android and iOS, or if, if those companies forced the social media companies to police AI, they might have the muscle without having the government come in and do it. In other words, if Apple and Google tell Facebook or tell on, on, um, Instagram or whatever, or Twitter, if you don't do something to curb this, we're going to take Twitter off of our phones. If they want to do that, they certainly have the power to force the social media companies to at least do something more than than say nice things about it.
1: Well, we will be revisiting this topic because I can talk forever and it actually kind of scares me. So anyway, well, let, let, let's hit the next topic. You know, Stuart, this is yours um, and I share your your interest in this topic because it affects all of us in some way, shape or form, but, uh, all the smart analysts, I don't include myself in that group. Um, I am, I figure I'm a smart analyst, but the, the thing that's interesting, everybody's kind of been predicting a quasi recovery at the end of the year. We don't see any signs of it happening. You know, you can break it out into different categories. You know, Apple's obviously hasn't announced their new, uh, 15, which will come out in the um, September timeframe as it normally is, but, PC category well, is still in the doldrums. TVs, major appliances. So, Stuart, take it away.
3: Well, it's just very interesting that every major category, with the possible exception of the PlayStation, has either a down 2022 and or a down Q1 23. Uh, there is no major category that has shown a sales increase, and I've, I've just been reviewing some smart analyst numbers from say I, from IDC, for instance. Mm-hmm. For the second time, they have downgraded the performances of uh, smart home products and smartphones. So back in January, February, March, the beginning of the year, they thought that smartphones would be down one or two percent, and that smart home, uh, smart home products would be down two or three percent. Now, within the last week, both of them have said now smartphones will be down like three or four percent, and smart home would be down five or six percent. And yet, in the same opening graph of those press releases, they said, but it'll be up soon. So we're predicting an up year or it'll come back in 2024. And this has been seemingly the trend in the industry that everybody is waiting for this ever-present recovery, which has not materialized. Right. So a lot of the mystery is what's going on. And I think a lot of it is obviously the economic uh, situation uh the, the lingering impact of inflation and fears of recession there's stuff going behind the scenes there's still some lingering supply issues uh retailers and manufacturers are both sitting on a large a lot of large inventory which is sort of um, not allowing them to invest in new inventory uh, even the war in ukraine apparently is dampening some markets so products you would think for instance smartwatches down which is, you would think this would still be a growing category. So it's becoming a real issue within the industry that is looking for some sort of, I don't know, savior technology. Um, uh, We talked about the Vision Pro, so I'll mention it. But there are still people who are hoping that VR and AR gets a goose from merely the publicity of the Vision Pro. Uh, There are people talking about, we're talking about AI, and they're talking about generative AI being um, uh, embedded into products to make the voice uh, controls or just overall controls a lot more uh, intuitive. So, but these aren't actually headline products or new products in the marketplace that that usually goose the entire industry.
1: Right. 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 And you know, Rob, you, you, what you, you know, Stewart mentioned one of the one of the great firms that have, you know, actually measure the market, and that's IDC. Uh, not all yeah. markets, but certain markets. There's three or four out there, very reputable companies. As one of the few people on this call that has been was on the other side of the fence, who used to make pay for those big um, subscriptions to get that information on a timely basis, my experience is that when markets are starting to contract or go down, they tend to be very conservative, meaning that they think that, oh, the market's only going to decline 5%, not 10%, because no one wants to tell a – a client hey by the way you're paying us a lot of money and you know your your business is contracting and and conversely it's the other way around too when the market is going up they tend to be very conservative because they don't want to over promise so the reality is when you drill down into it you know what factors exist rob that might possibly goose the category a category pcs right now used to be windows years ago not windows anymore I'm not sure anybody even cares whether Windows 12 is coming out or Windows 13, and I think no, probably that, not. Right. Well, and part of that, and I've said this before, you know, you look at you know, Microsoft. I think has made a strategic decision, and this is probably not new news. That Windows is yeah, it's important. We upgraded. We add some features to it, but you know, our, you know, our features in the cloud, our features in AI, and that's where the marketing dollars are going to get spent. So, Rob, your your take. One thing
0: I'm curious about there were so many cases where people did buy technology early on in the pandemic, maybe they needed a new wireless router. That was definitely the case for us, uh, might've bought a new laptop, you know, there was all this sort of, everyone had to play home IT department. We're getting towards three years, three and a half years, since those devices were put into service. And for something like a laptop that is pretty close to a typical replacement cycle. Um, for a tablet, maybe less so. It depends on the state of the battery. Uh, for a smartphone, how many times has it been dropped? So timing alone would suggest you will see an uptick in some of those categories. And others maybe not. I mean, you look at TVs, for instance. Has there been any big development in TV technology in the mass market? AK, that will get people um, to say, um, AK, I'm going to drive to Costco or Best Buy.
1: We can't do a podcast without you saying uh, 8K is going to take over the routine.
0: Uh, 8K is uh, – that's that's a real two-bit sales pitch. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I need to see exactly when if the Consumer Technology Association has once again revised its 8K shipments to dealers' estimates downwards.
2: Right.
1: So there's
2: a real streak
0: of it going.
1: John?
2: Well, I, you know, I review a lot of TVs (laughs) Um, and they do look they're They're like autumn automobiles. They get better every year. They get a little bit better every year. So, you know, if you're advising somebody always hold out because it's going to be cheaper and better next year. And that's continued to happen. There's definitely been improvement. So it's not that, but to the, the pandemic question is, we all watched that wave, you know, I had people calling me for webcams because they knew I had lots of webcams as a technology reviewer. <laughs> they couldn't get one. Um, but I'm finding exactly what Stewart's found. I was just doing some research in, uh, for a health and wellness feature on trends this fall and trying to predict, you know, sales figures for a panoply of products, everything from treadmills to um, smartwatches and everything in between. And it's been tricky, you know, the data is pointing in different directions, but only by 2% or 3%. So it's either going to be stagnant, or you'll get a little slight decline or a slight growth. And, you know, um, even the laptop, laptop manufacturers have been saying what Rob's saying for about a year and a half now. And it hasn't happened. Right. Well, they'll they'll buy new laptops when they get past that one they bought during the pandemic that isn't good enough anymore. And, you know, and the laptop with it, we talked about this with Stuart saying, you know, they're they're trying a slightly bigger screen, you know, and just a little bit less weight and anything to egg them on. But it doesn't it's not a very cheerful looking market, I think, until the end of the year, Um, even trying to figure out, okay, people are going back to the gym. Does that mean they're buying less home fitness gear and stuff? Well, kind of know and it's it's a mixed bag whether they're really going back to the gym or not and meanwhile peloton's still struggling and trying to sell subscription so it's a lot of confusion out there and uncertainty as stewart said i think that's the the buzzword and we won't see until january or something oh, what the gonna, trend
1: it's going to be a tough 2023 that's my yeah. prediction <laughs> yeah Guys, we can't, you know, end this podcast without talking about the 16th <laughs> anniversary of the uh, iPhone, um, and this could be a podcast by itself. But mm. soon, I want to start with it you. Is, is that the original iPhone? Is that, that is the, iPhone? the original mm. iPhone. Yeah. Oh my God! It is, oh. That, is it
3: really, really, it really? <laughs> it is. I have the original box right here. Well, in the box. No kidding. In the oh box. My God
1: so oh, Stuart, wow. you're, the, you're the perfect Even guy the, then
3: the, the, the charging the original charging cable so i can be charged
1: <laughs> well so you're the perfect guy then to talk uh, about you know give us a couple I of minutes guess. you know looking forward now uh, or looking back i should say uh, you know 20 <laughs> years what do you think the legacy of the iphone has been well
3: c- considering that the smartphone is the largest and has been the largest selling consumer technology device on the planet for quite a while now and it even more so than the cell phone um and the design of the original iphone is still primarily design of every smartphone on the market 15 years later and beyond even the hardware and what we've gotten used to and the fact that we are now dealing with people staring at their phones too much which how is this a problem now um the fact that it has created an entire economic um force in the app store and people creating apps um it even though the ipod had been out for a long time it exploded the online music um industry and completely changed the music industry so it wasn't just the hardware it was the impact it had on the accessories market the case there's a it Created a whole new a case and accessories market and cables market, the whole app economy, which is a whole business in and of itself. So I I don't even think Steve Jobs at the time realized what an
1: impact this device it would have to have. To have. Right. So Rob, your your thoughts on the legacy of the uh iPhone? just looking
0: at that picture, one thing really jumps out at me. Our hands were so much bigger 16 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's 16 years. So I guess the iPhone is old enough to drive, or at least get a learner's <laughs> permit. Um, but of course, remember there was a whole prehistory before that. People, we we had Palm Treos, and then before that, Palm Pilot organizers, uh, and so it was this sort of evolutionary leap forward. But it wasn't starting with just this primordial ooze of uh, mobile devices, right? And so it, it is interesting that you know for a while it seems that that we would have more competitors. Mm-hmm. You know, Microsoft had essentially different resources to compete. You had BlackBerry, and now we have a duopoly that, 16 years on, seems more settled than ever. It's iOS and Android, and nobody else.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, Rob, I, you <laughs> bring up. I've forgotten all about that. I think I have a Cassiopeia. Somewhere here, too, in a drawer, stashed. Um, I I want to go and get get my office closet. I have
3: have a
1: Newton.
2: Oh my God! But
1: but John, because I want to pull you into this, (laughs) don't, don't, because I know you have lots of opinions on this topic. But don't you think that Apple, when I look at kind of back in 2007, and the very prominent tech leaders, one, the one person that jumps out at me was Bomber, who I think called it a toy on CNBC, and there was a number of them. And say, hey, this is not going to be meaningful. I think Bomber said, oh, they'll be lucky to sell fifty thousand or a hundred thousand. and uh, you know, hey by the way, we're gonna take the world over with the um, the Windows equivalent of iOS. That didn't go very, very far. Yeah. But do yeah. you see a little bit of that now with Vision Pro? you know in that <laughs> even though the difference yeah, we know again. well, even though the difference is is that even when the original iPhone came out, now there were you know, it didn't have a store didn't. I don't think it had FaceTime, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, we no, we couldn't have yeah, done it. there was a number I mean, of features it, it didn't have. And one yeah. might say that's kind of an underpowered f- uh, phone. And by the way, it was priced at a relatively high, when you adjust for inflation, a relatively high price point. So do you see some parallels here between kind of what's um, uh, this and Vision Pro? Although Vision Pro has that high price point, you know, um, stigma that's been it's, right. it's it's already been associated yet it, that, no one will ever say it's underpowered because I think it's probably going to be probably a. No, it's
2: underpowered
1: platform. I mean it's it's
2: I think the vision was always pretty clear even for the smartphone uh you know before there was even Windows in the early PCs people talked about information at your fingertips and what they we were all meant was this thing that we could literally top and get answers for right? So we all had that vision. It was just a race to see who got there first. I don't think there was any confusion about it. The Microsoft blunders were, they had maps on their phone. I don't know if you remember, but they had maps on their phone and they completely screwed that up and just like fumbled it. They could have taken anyway. So many things to look back on 16 years ago. Um, But so I think the same vision occurs now and I know it seemed like a broken record, but People know what they want, and it's in those cyberpunk novels, right? They want to be able to look up in an instance the information about what they're looking at and then go back to what they're doing. That vision, you know, we don't need to describe that science fiction. We know what it is. And the vision pro ain't it, not by a long shot, right? Now, it's great as a starting point, and we can look back to it, and maybe it's the Cassiopeia the Pompilot of what comes down the road, but I— I do think that people want something super lightweight, maybe a, sort of the rimless glasses that I office often wear, but that do all the things that that Vision Pro does and more. And I think that's what people want. That's what we're aiming for. We're just not there yet. Um, and, the you know, but it is interesting, like how long will it take and how many of those products iterative till we get there? And then we're spending 16 years from now saying, remember the first
3: one of those? <laughs> Oh, if we're only going to be here in 16 years. Oh, John, John,
1: John, you're going to make me invoke my inner Joe Biden and say, Yo, the record player, put on the record player <laughs> up It's back, back man. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> well, guys, we're going to have to uh, end it there, but that was a lively discussion. Uh, that was a definitely a lively uh, discussion. Uh, guys, thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast for reviewing and listening audience. Thanks for making the Smart Tech Check podcast part of your day or commute. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast, or use these convenient on-screen QR codes to connect with me. You can also follow me on Twitter at MarkVitaTechGuy. And until next time, have a great July Fourth, and I will talk to you guys next week.